When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. All right, it's time for another film study. We get to break down the offense of the Week 16 game against the Giants. Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing doing all right. Can't complain. All right, this is our last uh, offensive podcast of the year. So no, uh, no, it's not. We have a week seventeen game against Cincinnati. We'll do an offensive podcast for. Yeah, but Ken, that's in twenty twenty one. Oh, you're a clever <laughs> dude. Clever. I'm not, I'm not saying season. I'm, I'm focused on the year. I, Everything we do this week is the last of the year. And my life runs off the football year, which ends in February. So all right. All right. Yeah. Some people follow a fiscal calendar yes. or a quarterly calendar. You follow the football calendar. There you go. 
All right, so your year doesn't end yet. Uh, joining us, this guy's done a short with us. It's cool to have him now for the full episode. I'm doing great. How are you doing? How are you guys doing? Life's good. Can't complain at all, Ed. Glad to have you back on. You know, wonderful short on target allocation for the Ravens, where I think we both went a little too high on Miles <laughs> Boykin for the year in terms of how many targets he got. <laughs> we won't beat yeah, ourselves oh, up yeah. over that too much. <laughs> Let's just move I don't know about you watching this game this last week. One of the things that really struck me was how little profanity I had on the opening drive. I, like it was a, literally a profanity free opening drive. That's very difficult for me. You have kids. You may have to clean up your act. I don't. And, and therefore I, I don't. <laughs> so. Yeah. Like uh, for, uh, for this game, I was very like, I got the direct TV. So I'm like flipping through channels, watching some of the Steelers game, watching some of uh, it was an interesting experience, but it was it was awesome game. So pumped. I'm like yelling upstairs. My kids like everything okay up there? And I'm like, yeah, yeah it's good. It's good. <laughs> Very much a win by the 2019 formula. They got the lead with the offense. They dominated the first half in terms of time of possession, in terms of, of snap count. Very important, obviously. And even though the Giants had lots of opportunities in that first half to throw the football, we talked a lot about that on the defensive pod, 11 ATS opportunities on just 13 dropbacks in the first half. Uh, they really didn't make anything out of that. And the Ravens won by their traditional formula, getting ahead, letting that defense take over the game in the second half. Yes. Um, the uh, I'm not sure what, what the changes are that precipitated them kind of getting back to what they do. But it was it was awesome to see. I mean, they mold what is a, a good run defense. Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. That's been kind of a hallmark this year is it doesn't matter how good the run defense is. Try to stop the Ravens run offense is a different animal. And the, the Steelers weren't able to do it. And they were one of the best run defenses of them all. And the Ravens ran for, what, 265 or yeah. so in the first game. And uh, and another big one in the second game, too. So even without anybody, uh, they ran for over 100 yards. Uh, we'll let Josh do a little business now. We'll be back to discuss the offensive line. All right. It's my bookie. You know it. The code is Ravens. That's how you get your 50% match. So if you put in $200, they, put, they give you a free $100 to work with. My bookie's constantly giving away free bets. So you want to go in and check it every day. If you want to make some money this weekend on the Ravens, they are minus 13 is the spread right now for the Ravens going into Sunday at 1 o'clock when they face the Bengals. So head on over to MyBookie, use the code RAVENS, and get yourself that free money because it's not just winter season, it's winning season. So bet, win, and get paid with MyBookie. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the offensive line this game. Actually, you know what? There's one thing I want to hit before. Waiver transactions came out today, and J. Ron Curse of Detroit had been released yesterday. Geno Stone was released today, and yet the wave, the Ravens, or it's yesterday also, I think. Yeah, I may have the day wrong. It may have been yesterday. But they did not make a waiver claim on J. Ron Curse, which was a little surprising. In fact, he passed through entirely on the waiver system, uh, is now available to sign for any team, and it's not like he had a big contract. He was only at $1.5 million. Fourth-year player, well above the replacement level. 6'4", 215, so very unusual size for a safety. Uh, and the Ravens made no attempt to get him, despite the fact they really have been playing without a dime back the entire season. Yes, um, I, that's uh, a bit surprising. And I'm, I'm also was thinking about 
different ways they could use a player like that. And you would think that based on Peters being hurt and the other injuries in the secondary, that he might be somebody we could consider. Yeah. And, you know, with the teams they'll face in the playoffs, he's, you know, at that height, you always talk about your safeties, safeties being too small to be covered by a safety, sorry, a safety being too small to cover a big tight end. This guy's not too small to cover anybody. So he might be, he might not be fast enough. I really don't know enough about him as a player, but his generally the the rankings he's gotten from PFF have been quite good. Uh, you know, people have said good things about him. The Vikings fans were upset to lose him, but when he went to Detroit, he's not making a lot of money, million and a half. So the one game commitment to him was only one seventeenth of a million and a half, under a hundred thousand. So I don't think it was a money issue. I think they didn't like something about the reasoning or the explanation behind his release from Detroit. Kind of sad to see because the Ravens really need to find another oh, yeah. safety who can cover. All right, let's move on. Let's talk some offensive line while we're here. And I know you, we got you for the offense, and we want to make sure we deliver on that promise as well. Uh, good day overall for the offensive line. Led to some very good grades. So 64 scored snaps, zero sacks, 3.67, that's three and two-thirds of the four quarterback hits were charged to the line. We had one-third of one. I charged to Lamar directly for holding the ball too long. It was really more like a, a pressure with the extra negative one coming from uh, Lamar holding the ball too long. Three pressures in 25 dropbacks. The spike is excluded from that. Lamar ran out of two pressures in this game. He's been helping the offensive line a lot so far this year by running out of pressures with positive scrambles that actually help the offensive line in my scoring system. All right, we'll continue on. Ample time and space, 11 out of 27, 44% uh, of, the, of the passes resulting in a pass or sack. That is high, one of the highest numbers of the year. Five ball out quicks, nine pressures. Good, good, solid opportunity set for Jackson to throw. There were no runs for off for a loss, charged the offensive line, and big deal, there were no penalties. So they got through a week, and they've been doing playing very good low penalty football. McCarry had had a couple penalties last couple of weeks, but uh, he didn't this week, and uh, and nobody did. So good all-around play led to some very good scores we're going to get into. Any other general impressions line you want to share, Ed? Um, just that the, uh, the the line's been playing well. I mean, um, at the beginning of the year, we, I think you and I both were worried about the, the right tackle spot and how thin they were. And I'm I'm very impressed with how they've been able to shuffle different players on the line. I mean, like there was a game when they had Macari at right tackle, mm-hmm. so I, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed because I thought that they were in deep trouble when um, Stanley went down and um, Brown had to move over. I thought, what are you going to do at right tackle? Yeah, I I'm, I wasn't even convinced Brown would be acceptable at left tackle, but he's been more than acceptable. He's been terrific. But at right tackle, honestly, DJ Fluker, with the exception of about one and a half games, has been very good. They had McCary play one good half over there. They had Will Holden play one good half. I know you were playing the red zone or move around on DirecTV Sunday ticket. You might have noticed that Will Holden was the starting left tackle for the Indianapolis Colts this week. Oh, yeah. So anyway, uh, a lot of the Ravens rejects are still getting played other places. Uh, and and honestly, in the Holden case, I think it was a case of the Ravens took the depth they had a little too lightly and valued their interior depth perhaps a little bit too much. And, uh, and that might have cost them a tackle where they're actually, I think, very shorthanded at this point. 
All right, let's move on. Uh, Orlando Brown, uh, he had played a rotation of extremely weak pass rushers for the Giants. Zero pass rush events allowed, though. That's the big number for Orlando this week. He did have one time where it would have been a pressure, but Lamar ran out of it for a seven-yard scramble. So he got zero pressures for the day, six missed blocks. One of the places his missed blocks are showing up are on the myriad of counter plays they're not running. So you'll see them on TV. Look for the left guard and left tackle to pull on the same play to the right. And that tells you absolutely nothing about where the ball is going in the Ravens offense. They might run up the middle. They might run left. And they might run right behind that. But it's the great thing about it is if they run right, it becomes a power run. And otherwise, it's a very deceptive run. On the, uh, on the first play of the game, like I, I thought it, it had a, a good kind of statement, like you don't know what we're doing because I, I, I felt like it was, I think Powers pulled to the left and then Fluker pulled to the right. And then the play went to the, to uh, JK Dobbins going left. And then Lamar followed the, the fake going right. And it's like, that's a lot of backfield motion for people to deal with. Yes. And uh, it, it, it makes me think of, um, I read it on Smart Football, uh, but like a couple, like maybe four or five um, days ago, where it said, if you want to do play action, pull a guard. And then yeah. that, that's what I thought in that first play. There's so much action going on. It has to be a lot for the defenses to, to keep their eyes on. Well, the, the Ravens, uh, they pull at such a high percentage of plays. I mean, in this game alone, I'll go through this. Brown pulled eight times, Bozeman 18 McCarry five. He didn't even play that long. Uh, we had seven from Powers, three from Fluker, one from Phillips, and one from Skura. That is an unbelievable array of pulls for one football game. It might be the most I've ever scored. I know I have scored more at left guard than 18, but that's right up there near the highest number ever. Uh, and you're right, that first play where they're pulling in two directions, the Ravens are basically with a scripted play, middle fingering, the Giants, because they're, they're basically saying you can't figure us out. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're te- they're, that's exactly what they're telling them with that with that pull in op- opposite direction. So, uh, yeah, I love that play too. Uh, talk a little bit more about Brown. He having a little bit of trouble making making contributions on the backside of run plays, but otherwise, I love everything he's doing. And and if you can have zero post rush events at left tackle, I don't really care what you do against the run. That's that's generally going to be an A, and that's what he got in this game. Bozeman uh, played reasonably well against a much tougher set of interior defenders. That's where the giant strength really is. Their edge guys kind of suck. Their interior guys include Leonard Williams, a former first round draft pick who's terrific. And uh, who's the guy? Dexter, number 97. I got to bring this up or I will not have the right people here. Uh, yeah, Dexter Lawrence uh, on the interior. Uh those are two of their really good players, and Bozeman had to face a lot of them. He gave up a pressure, one-third share of two separate QHs. He had five missed blocks. But the big thing with, with Bozeman is always, how's he doing on his pull blocks? He went 14 of 18 in this game. That was good, and the Giants tried something different that you may have noticed. They were trying to cut the pulling players. They've not. No other team has really tried that so far this year. Uh, the Giants were relentless about it. They basically would go down in the face of a puller and try and go to the puller's knees. I believe that may actually be not allowed by NFL rules, which is something I, I, I need to check. I mean, it's sure. been, the point is made by Coach Evans often that it's not allowed at the high school level. Yeah. The uh, And I wonder if that has to do with 
because back in the day, like um, uh, Gibbs would have his zone blockers cut block, and then I think that became a penalty. So I'm I'm guessing it's the same on both sides. Yeah. So it used to be that adjacent players on the offensive line were allowed to block high and low on the same player. It wasn't a chop block. And now they cut that out. So, so the defensive players have the same sort of protections that the offensive have. So the offensive players, can't, you know, they can't, you can't go high low on an offensive player either. But I, I, on polls, I believe they're specifically precluded from having cuts go into them. They're supposed to not allow that. And, and the Giants were just, they were relentless about it. They went to the knees play after play, including an unbelievably good play from, it was number 55 for the Giants on the right side, Mayo, who's not a particularly great player. Okay, David Mayo. But he went to the to the knees and took down both Bozeman and Brown on one pull. And I'm, I, we had a little talk about this on, on, the, on the defensive show with uh, uh, Michael Crawford, that that reminded me of Terrell Suggs. All right. All right, let's move on here. Uh, Bozeman got to be in the game. McCary played 23 blocks before he was hurt, made 21 of 23 blocks. No negative events in the game, A for him. Skura, in relief of him, surrendered parts of three quarterback hits. Didn't have a great time, didn't have an easy time holding off those very large interior players. But the bigger problem was the snap yips still seemed to be there. Yep, like uh, I think the very first snap he was in, he kind of snapped it high into the right of Lamar, but Lamar just kind of like grabbed it and was able to manage. But I was like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, he's he's like, I don't know who's a great defensive catcher. In my era, it would probably have been Tony Pena. If I say Tony Pena on the air today, nobody nobody knows who I'm talking <laughs> about. But but Rick Dempsey maybe is a as a ball, you know, a guy who had good range behind the plate to to get to some of these off target wild pitches mm-hmm. and uh and did a good job with them. But uh, anyway, uh Skura had a pretty good game as a blocker, not terrible anyway. Uh, a C minus game overall. I took his adjustment away because of the snap problems otherwise he would have scored a c uh powers 1.5 pressures a third of a quarterback hit six missed blocks not powers best game he continues on not having any penalties uh but a c only in the game with the various events he had any anything to say about ben powers play this last few weeks um i'm generally a fan of powers i'm glad to see someone step in into that um that guard spot i was worried about um, Phillips in there. I think now Phillips is kind of messing around on the right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not great with the O-line, but I feel like Powers is is a good guard. They they seem to have find, found their five guys, and I say that with my fingers crossed now with the injury to McCarry, not knowing how serious it is, not knowing if he's going to be back against Cincinnati or even for the playoffs. Uh, but that that group of five with McCarry snapping the football – seems to be a group of five they trust. If they don't, I really wonder whether after this game they're not going to activate TCC, uh, Colin Castillo, for the, for the Week 17 and reinstall him at center. I think they would rather reduce the mistakes, even if it means they're getting a blocker who's maybe just a cut below, uh, d- to not have mistakes possibly turn a game over to Cincinnati that they'd otherwise have a lot of trouble losing. Right. and um. And I, I thought that Tristan was a Cologne Castillo. Yes. I thought that he was good in the in the game that he played. Um so would you put him in at center over I guess moving Bozeman would shuffle it too much? 
I wouldn't move Bozeman because he's he's too critical to the power run game. He he drives all the polling and he's really good at it. And I think all of the notion of moving Bozeman to center, I think with the season he's had and he's been very consistent, I I don't think they'll move him. I don't think they'll move him next year. Okay. Uh, I think they'll they'll decide if Bredesen is the right guy at center, perhaps next year. I don't think they'll decide if Bredesen is the, the right guy at center next week. I think that that's more likely to be Colon Castillo um, if it is not um, McCary. Right. And and um, I haven't heard much about Makari's injury, so I'm, I'm I'm hoping that he can still go. Yeah, sir. That's that obviously is plan A, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if it doesn't work out, it's a back injury, so it's one of these things you really don't know. If it were, if there was some spe- specificity to it, like it was a knee, or if it were a you know a, a any kind of a tarsal problem or whatever, we we would we would question you know, whether he could be back or not. But as a back injury, we just don't have a lot of lot to go on. Fluker had some back problems. He did have to sit out some time. Uh, but I don't really have a good sense of, of whether or not McCary might be back. Mm-hmm. All right, let's continue on. Fluker, very good at right tackle in this game. He played 50 of the snaps, and they had one overlapping snap on the goal line where the Ravens actually played a seven-man line, I think, for the first time this year. They played 19 other snaps, 19 other snaps of six-man line in this game which is their most of the year. That's just a remarkable total. Uh, but Fluker was very good in his 50 snaps. One quarterback hit allowed. He missed three blocks, but otherwise he was perfect. And that's a hell of a job from a right tackle. Uh, one of the things about it that I keep harping on, perhaps unfairly, is that Lamar really makes any tackles and probably really any lineman's job easier by freezing those edge defenders and also the scheme allowing a lot of Fluker's basic blocks to be down blocks on the defensive tackle to help on a double team with powers. Oh yeah. Like um I think like something that the the stats miss is what you're talking about there is Lamar's ability to increase the O line's efficiency by the down blocks, by the edge, and also on plays where they just don't even block the read, the read defender. Yeah. So I, th- I think Lamar definitely does a lot to help the line. And if I could to go back on some of the, uh, the high numbers of um, uh, like the scurrer playing tight end and the high numbers of extra linemen, you think is that specifically for the giants or is that something that we can see going forward? Because the offense that we saw against the Giants is the offense that I would love to see from here on out. It's it's a hell of an offense, that's for sure. I think there's a couple things going on. I'll give you my theory on it, and then I'd love to hear yours, Ed. But the, the, the first thing I'd say is that with the loss of Boyle, it's almost like Roman does not know how to scheme for that extra position. It's an eligible receiver, but he'd really like to have a blocker. And Boyle was perfect because he was both. And, and now it, the other guy who's played very well is Tomlinson. So Tomlinson had just an unbelievable game blocking this time, block after block, where he looked like Nick Boyle. And he actually was had the that nice, uh, what do we call it, clear-out route that 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 made Des Bryant wide open because everybody followed him. I don't know why, you know, he's Eric Tomlinson, but they all, they all did. He's almost otherwise never used in a pattern. Yep. And then, I, then you go to the other things. He also uses alignment in that same, in that same spot. So Boyle's missing. Boyle's was playing, you know, 75% of the snaps before he was hurt. So he's, he, he gives 20 of them, which is, you know, not quite a third to a sixth offensive lineman. He gives, I don't know what it was, 18 maybe to Tomlinson. He beefs up, uh, Ricard snaps by a couple, and he also played four pony backfields. But it's a whole bunch of different solutions, none of which 
involve an extra receiver. Right. The um, and I, I wonder if not having Boyle is forcing him to be more creative because some of the and maybe we'll, we'll get into this later on, but the 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 pony backfields. Um, I've been seeing more of that, and I think it's an incredible package that he could expand on. Um, earlier, and I've seen different teams use it, like the Packers have done some with it, the Browns have done some with it, and I mm-hmm. think our backs can do it just as well, or if if not better than other teams. So w- when I see that backfield, I'm very excited. Like that that pony backfield together with a spread formation and sometimes they used um uh tomlinson as 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 a as a as as a like a slot wide receiver in their like doubles uh spread formations which which worked there too yeah so if you if you use tomlinson there and use any sort of jet motion it really gives you a blocker out in front of a jet play which i really love oh yeah you can also put boykin on the same side if you want to and and still make that work you have to go without an inline tight end if you do that right but or or your inline tight end has just has to be on the end but either way you go completely agree with the other teams using it the redskins also used it pretty effectively i thought against the ravens in their game they had mckissick and who's the other guy gardner the rookie the rookie who's good in the backfield who's not McKissick. Um, I, I'm, I'm missing the name. This Danny Golden or something. I think it's Gardner, but I might be. I'm. I'm. I may be wrong. Anyway, let's not worry about it. Right. It's. It's. They had. They certainly had a second back set, and they like to have a, a a back lined up as a receiver. The Ravens actually haven't used too much of the back staying at receiver. Occasionally they will, but most of the time he's. It's a. It's a back that motions in. And and at least threatens that jet action, and and then allows Lamar to get an extra read on the defense while he's doing it. I lost. I lost that All right. So I think we talked a little about Fluker. Fluker. Oh, you're back. I'm back. Okay. So Fluker a B plus in the game. We got great. Okay. Phillips 15 scored snaps as a backup. 12 points in this game. That's a lot better than he had been playing. Very happy to see it. No grade in this game because he's under 20 snaps. But uh, but it's good to see Phillips play some decent right tackle. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required. Anyway, I'm not sure I, where uh, Phillips ends up. Where do you think he ends up? Um, I think like I'm I'm kind of of two of two opinions about this. I I want him to succeed at right tackle, but he hasn't looked like he can succeed at right tackle. But it's early, and he's and he's a young player. Um, and then maybe I want him to succeed because I know that we're thin there. But I feel like he needs more time and he has 
more to work on to be effective at right tackle. And I think that he can be effective at right guard sooner than he could be at right tackle. But I wouldn't give up. I would kind of still keep him and try to develop him as a swing player for both. Mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at Phillips' body shape for starters. He is in way better shape right now than he was at Mississippi State. He was, you know, he's a big guy carrying a lot of extra midsection weight when he played left tackle at Mississippi State, and he had definitely some issues with his feet in pass blocking. But he had those great lock-on long arms. I love in a in a any offensive line, but but I especially love him at a tackle. I I, I like the arm length. It's it's be a good opportunity for positional coaching between year one and year two for him. And also for him to go on kind of the Ryan Jensen routine of really re-sculpting his body to not just, you know, lose some of that extra chunkage around his midsection, but also to just re-sculpt his body and get muscle, build up his leg strength more and and build up his upper body strength more, because I think he's going to need all of that. I don't think he's as naturally gifted with his feet as even an Orlando Brown is. Uh, and and that's going to make it a little harder for him to play that position. Yeah. The uh, the I, I kind of still have a little bit of hope for him because I feel like you know how kind of people viewed Orlando Brown as a right tackle only, and then mm-hmm. and then he's transferred over and done a good job at left tackle. So I'm hoping you know I'm I'm an optimist. So I'm hoping that uh, Phillips still has a chance to uh, to grow into that right tackle spot. Yeah, I, I'm a worrier, but I also consider myself an optimist, Ed. And I don't know if I could, if anyone watching a game would naturally assume I am that way, but but I, I kind of consider myself that anyway. And I would love to believe that that he could he could really take the time. But you know, I, I think this is a case of a young player really needs to figure out how critical it is right now for him to invest in himself so that he gets that second contract. He needs to start right away. Can't wait till year three to do this. This is a year one to year two project. Fluker is not signed for next year. The job will be open next year. The Ravens will make choices about whether or not to sign or trade Orlando Brown. They need to know immediately in 2021 whether or not uh, you know Phillips is the guy going forward. Sure. All right. Let's see. Any, anything else we haven't talked about? Bredesen made nine of 11 blocks as a sixth offensive lineman. That was solid. Uh, I think we covered all this other stuff about McCarry and TCC, so let's move on. To talk about Lamar a little bit? Oh, yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you start us off here with your thoughts on Lamar, and then I'll add mine uh, as we go through. Okay, so like, so I'm, I'm originally not a Ravens fan. So uh, I, I grew up in this area, and for a while we didn't have a team, so I was a fan of, of, of Washington. And then um, I couldn't, uh, I, uh, long story short, I just couldn't, I, I didn't want to deal with an owner like Dan Snyder. So I was like, I kind of just took a step back from football as, as in general. But I, I live in Baltimore, so I always watch the Ravens games. But I used to watch a lot of college football. And I watched a lot of Lamar Jackson at, at Louisville. And you know, I think it was his game against Florida State. Like, you, you know how there's some games you watch of a college player and it makes you go, wow. Like the, uh, mm-hmm. the same, it happened with um, with uh, I know people are gonna say whatever, but anyway, it happened with Johnny Manziel versus Bama. It happened with Cam Newton versus it, like they have that game where you're like, this guy's got something. So anyway, so I started watch a lot of of Louisville with with Lamar and fell in love fell in love with him. And when the Ravens drafted him, I couldn't believe it. I was like, my favorite college player got drafted to my hometown team. So um. 
Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan, and I think he has like he has Super Bowl winning potential. And and in my heart of hearts, I think that if he reaches his maximum of his abilities, then I think he can be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, well, I guess it's easy to say that because he already won the MVP, but <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but but I, I I think that he's if 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 he's developed hard through the fundamentals of passing, um, I think he can get there. And looking at Louisville, like, you know, people say whatever they want about Petrino, but Petrino coaches pro-style concepts. And Lamar back then, um, you know, I feel like his timing and his footwork and a rhythm drop-back passing game was, was what drew me to him. I, he was a guy who could sit in the pocket make a three-step drop, throw on time, five-step drop, throw on time, read coverage. But he was also this dynamic runner. So, you know, mm -hmm. my opinion of Lamar is like sky high. Okay. What's what's impressed me so much about Lamar, Not this is not just in recent weeks, but it's been rekindled from recent weeks because it was most la mostly last year that we saw this, is an ability to effortlessly negotiate the pocket while keeping his eyes downfield. The guy is just always on his own terms in the pocket, always rolling right or left, and he can make a throw in either direction. I mean, normally a right-handed quarterback rolls left, the play is dead. You hope it's not interception. That's that's the main thing you hope for. I, with, with Lamar, he can roll right or left, get his body turned in time, or make a run out of it. There's a, the gravitational effect is something Jonas Schaefer has talked about in terms of what Lamar Jackson does to defenses. We saw that on the 44-yard touchdown to Brown uh, on fourth and five. The, the entire defense is just drawn to him. And it, it creates these wonderful man or zone dilemmas for the opposite defensive coordinator. It's just, it is so much fun to watch him. If you're not appreciating Lamar Jackson for who he is, if you're whining about him not being 10% a better passer, that'll come in time. He'll become a better passer and he'll also lose something as a runner, by the way. But appreciate who he is right now because he's one hell of a football player and he might be the best quarterback in the National Football League these last four weeks. Uh, it's, it's just, he's been a hell of a lot of fun to watch. There's a, I'm trying to, I want to pull this quote up and, and uh, it's, this is from Bill Walsh. And this is what I think of when I see Lamar and it says, um, <clears throat> the single trait that separates great quarterbacks from good quarterbacks is the ability to make the great spontaneous decision, especially at a crucial time. The clock is running down. Your team is behind five points. The play that was called has broken down and 22 players are moving in an almost unpredictable direction all over the field. This is where the great quarterback uses his experience, vision, mobility, and what we will call spontaneous genius. He makes something good happen. And then that's what I see from, from, from him, like down after down, like, and you mentioned like the plays moving to the left and, and, you know, I played a little bit of like rec QB and it's, when I see him do it, like he threw that one to Bryant rolling to his right. I think uh, in previous games, he threw one, a phenomenal one against the Redskins to Andrews rolling to his left. I mean, yes. it's some of the, th he makes um, extraordinary plays look routine, like regularly. Those are, those are unbelievable plays. When, it, when a quarterback 
completes any kind of a long pass, any kind of a touch pass, any kind of an any pass, frankly, when rolling left under pressure, it's a remarkable throw. It's it, they, they got a set of rules that go when a quarterback rolls right, so the defense knows how to play that. Those break down against Lamar, and the Ravens actually have a better chance when he rolls right. I, I still don't like it that much because as soon as he leaves the pocket, I think he's restricting the amount of field that the defense has to defend, which is Lamar's greatest asset. But But when he does roll right, his gravitational pull takes in those close defenders. If that fourth and five play would have happened, and, lo- and Joe Flacco was the quarterback. And I'm not trying to beat on Joe Flacco. I'm just trying to tell you the difference between a normal pocket passer and Lamar. Joe Flacco might also have rolled right, but only one defender would have come after him. That would have been enough to pressure him. He would have had to put the ball up and maybe Brown catches it. Maybe he doesn't because you don't know under pressure if that goal is going to be on target and also who's yeah. going to be covering them. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. All right. What else have we been growing up? The other thing I've loved about Lamar is the reduction in interceptable balls the last few weeks. Now, I heard a stat on Twitter that that Patrick Mahomes has 15 dropped interceptions this year, which is one of the highest totals they've ever charted. Might be the highest, and it was going back some certain number of years. It's not forever, but it was maybe 2010 or something, or 20, 2007 they were talking about. Still, that's remarkable right. that it would be Patrick Mahomes with the most of those. Lamar's really cut down on the interceptable balls. The, uh, that, that stat doesn't surprise me because I used to watch Mahomes at Texas Tech, and he was a wild stallion back then. Like, he was – there wasn't a throw that he didn't like or think that he could make. So, um, so mm-hmm. yep, yep. So, like, that, that stat doesn't surprise me. Like, w- one aspect of him not playing his rookie year, I think, was brilliant from – from Reed because I think that he really needed to be kind of like Bridal, the Bucky Bronco. And, and I think that that's helped him. Um, Yeah. They haven't, haven't had to break down who he is from a throwing mechanics perspective. He's been able to use all that at the NFL level very effectively. They just have cut down on some decision making throws throws or or some of the things that he he wanted to work on. And I'm, I'm not sure if this is, if this is the spot to, hop into this, but um, what do you think of Lamar's footwork? You know, I'm, I'm really not a technical footwork guy. So there's certain things I look for on film, like don't let your heels click together, that sort of thing as you're dropping back. A lot of it, I mean, I'm 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 so amazed by his pocket presence and his ability to negotiate even a tight pocket that I, I not lost in, in the footwork itself. Uh, he steps into throws still fairly well, as far as I can tell. Uh, other people, Orlovsky and other quarterback gurus out there, uh, you know, a guy like Mark Schofield, would be much better at picking up on what's what's being wrong so, with people's like, footwork. As you I, I, I think one of the, the issues that I was having this year was I, I feel like Lamar's, and, and then not I'm not talking about like his weight transfer because he always kind of ends up having decent weight transfer, but um, I'm talking about like the discipline on getting the ball out at the top of his drop off of like a three-step timing or five-step timing. But over the past few weeks, I I feel like they've taken those plays that require like like a rote three-step drop, hitch and throw. They've taken those out 
it kind of allowed him to move the pocket a little bit and just find a rhythm and throw on balance with a defined read as opposed to three-step or five-step, read it, hitch, and throw. And I think that's, I think that's smart on, on Greg's point and on um, the QB coach, Urban. But it, I'm also kind of worried about his development in that sense because um, uh, his QB coach, Josh, Josh Harris, I was listening to him on uh, 105.7, I think. And he, he was mentioning how he's noticed that Lamar's kind of, you know, not quite taking a step back, but he's kind of, he called it like Lamar's playing in survival mode. Like he's, he's kind of not so worried about, you know, do I take a three-step and hitch here? He's kind of like seeing the field and then finding his own rhythm to establish a balanced throw. So I kind of, I kind of wonder about where he's going in that aspect with his footwork, but I like the changes Greg has made to make the 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 play call not so much requiring that those type of drops. If if that makes sense, I I, I try to. No, that's fantastic observation. Fantastic observation, and and it's one of those things that he may have to relearn how to play quarterback yeah. when he goes to Josh Harris over the off season. And then relearn how to take his steps naturally in the pocket. But right now, for one thing, whatever is working now is whatever is what they should continue with. I don't think another team is going to be able to easily break it down the way Jackson is is having such yep. success with things and is f- so feeling it right now. Yep. Whatever they're doing, don't don't try and change it this regular season, please, or this postseason. Next, this off season, take a look at it. Decide if it really needs to be changed. I mean, a lot of baseball hitters had unorthodox stances and people right. tried to fix them and it didn't help at all. Uh, a lot of times it's just allow the hitter to be comfortable in the box. However he wants to hit whatever timing mechanism he's using, just let him do it. And, and I, I think it's not like an offensive lineman who's crossing his feet where the defender immediately can take advantage of that and throw him off, you know, throw him down. It's, 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 it's more of a subtle thing that Lamar has footwork issues or read issues that are not directly in sync with his footwork, if anything. And and for that, please don't try and fix it this year is all I got to say. All right. Uh, peaking at the right time. I think we agree on that for, for Lamar. Let's move on to the scheme the Ravens had. Uh, and, and I'll let you start the scheme stuff again. Okay, because, so uh, the, I have um, some notes here, but I want to hear what you have to say. Some of the things I noticed from this game is I, I felt like, there was a, a good variety of the way the Ravens are going to attack people. Um, they had a very smash mouth element to it. Like I felt like they made it almost like, you know, we're going to bring out our five linemen, Ricard, and we'll bring in an extra lineman and we'll see if you can stop it. So I, I kind of feel like they're embracing that hey, we're a smash-mouth running team, and if you're a good run defense, we're going to make you prove it. And, you know, that aspect of it, I like. And I hope that they stick to their guns. Like, because the the Titans game was always in the back of my mind. Like, we don't have to be pass-heavy at all. Like, we can dictate. I'm using we now. (laughs) Um, We can dictate what the offense or what the defense does Mm -hmm. by what they do. So I definitely like seeing that. Um, I, and we, like we talked about earlier, I love the, the pony backfields and 
I, I really like, and maybe it's it's a it's a coincidence because Gus is getting more playing time. But I feel like Gus has really proven, or he's proving, or flashing that he can actually catch. And 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 maybe I'm overvaluing the a couple or three catches. But the catch he had on the on the right sideline, um, I don't remember the I don't have the timestamp. But that was, mm-hmm. yep, like 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 uh, and, no, and so, okay. the big, so the there's that one too. Catch. But like there's one where Lamar's kind of scrambling to the right and he throws it towards like maybe 15 yards down the right sideline, and Gus kind of has to extend his hands for it. And then he, he comes down and th- and that to me, like that's a wide receiver quality catch. So um uh, so I like seeing the pony backfield, and I hope that that's something that gets expanded on going forward. So let me go. Let me go to the Edwards thing here because I really want to respond to that. The, the The play that shocked me, and Maureen and I watching the game, and we're charting it, and like, how the hell did that happen? Edwards getting over deep down the middle of the field for that catch oh, in the yep. previous game was it against the Giants or was it against Jacksonville? I think it was against Jacks, but yep. but it was it was. It was deep down the middle of the field. And I'm like, we never have a running back run a deep route like that. You know, that's Joe Washington stuff. That's, that's you know, something from the 70s Colts we would see. But the the Ravens really have never had a guy yep. who, who who made receptions deep downfield like that. Even Ray Rice yep. uh, would run an occasional wheel route. But down the middle of the field, that's unheard of. So, anyway, Edwards is, a you know, obviously being a bigger back helps him be a bigger body. But that's also, there's a degree of trust that goes with that throw Absolutely. that Lamar said, boy, you know, I trust Edwards to, to go get that football. And then the one on the, the, one on the right sideline I want to go back to also is he, he really, you know, he looked like Marshawn Lynch. You know, not, oh, not not being willing to be tackled along that right sideline. You know, it was at a point in the game where the Giants had, Probably lost their will to tackle to a certain degree, <laughs> but but it was still very impressive. Yep. Yep. So, uh, what else you got for us? I I I like the use of spread, even even from uh, twenty two personnel. Like sometimes they will put Tomlinson out there, sometimes they will put Andrews out there, and there's scheme elements that from this game that I hope to see carried on. For the rest of the uh, our playoff run, and I'm I shouldn't be I shouldn't assume that we're in the playoffs because, but I mean, come on, we're, we're going to crush the, the Bengals. Well, I, 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 either way, it's okay to talk about that because this next week is a playoff game, and and yeah. I, they're they need to treat it as such. They need to win it as such, and in in so doing, from a personnel standpoint, they can't afford to look forward only to that game even if they need to coach only for that game. From a personnel standpoint, they need to be figuring out who that next cornerback is that they're going to get to come in and play against that Pittsburgh four-wide receiver formation, or they're yeah. going to have completely missed the boat on the season and put it at risk. Yeah. But I, 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 I love the spread as well. I love what Tomlinson did. Was He did much more than what we thought he could do. In a lot of ways, he put him out there. I didn't think you lose any of the quickness or extension or balance that Boykin gives you as a run blocker. And Boykin is just off the charts good in, in, in my book. But Tomlinson was was very good. He was good in line. He was good out in space and, and did a really good job of just uh, of getting in front of plays and making sure those extra yards were achieved. Yep. Um, and that's, that's basically it for my, uh, for my game specifics, um, scheme notes. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if we have a chance to just kind of take it off here. Like, I, I feel like the, 
the future of the Ravens offense. I wonder now that we don't have Boyle, um, if if the spread is kind of where we're going to evolve to. But I think I think it will be cool to see a Baylor esque spread to run type of offense going mm-hmm. forward. But so so that'd be that'd be doing that out of eleven personnel, or you'd really be doing it out of twelve probably, but with a tight end split wide, right? Mm-hmm. Or you could even do it out of 21 with a tight end split ride, too, if you wanted to do that. Or Pony with a tight end split yep. ride. All those, are, yep. all those are cool. It's, you know, what's good about this is the because the Ravens are a one-dimensional – sorry, not a one-dimensional offense. That's the wrong way to put it. They're a run-heavy offense. Roman has to be consistently evolving. And for Lamar's rookie year, when the pass wasn't that much of an option, he did a wonderful job of, of creating this entire – lengthy playbook of new stuff they would try every week and then in 2019 the passing game was folded in but they also still had new run stuff as well and this year i feel like a lot of the things they've done you the heavy reliance on counter and some of the new pony backfield stuff the more the increased reliance on six-man line all of that is additional new roman schemes as long as he can still be clever that's great and you know talking about the spread and uh and finding ways to run out of that would also be cool. I do think having Tomlinson split wide is kind of a tell on a run play, but that may be exactly what they want. That you got the, the way you counter that is to have Jackson going in the other direction personally. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you have you have you have options yeah. still to make it make it look, make it look otherwise. And and I will say um, <clears throat> one thing about the scheme that. Uh, that that has me a little bit worried is is when when teams are able to kind of stifle the run um by putting a speed element in a linebacker or they just completely take out that linebacker and put in the safety and then they can kind of like play eight in the box cover one or cover or or cover three and then force Lamar to throw to the outsides I still I still don't feel as confident that we can beat teams that way. And so that's always in, in the back of my mind. Like I wish that the outside, the numbers and, and deep um, on, on the on outside, the numbers passing game was more developed. But mm-hmm. if we're able to establish this type of run, then I think they'll, they won't be in that position where the defenses is, the defenses are dictating where they can throw the ball. So obviously there's three players who are very key to the deep outside the numbers passing game being a big deal. One is they 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 can get it by having Miles Boykin become trusted in this offense. He's got the speed to do it. He's got the long speed. A point has been made to me often that, that he has more long speed than change of direction speed. So he's mostly build up and acceleration to it to eventual uh, you know, good high top speed. I, I I like that, I guess, but it would be better if he had the the stop and go look where the defensive back really had to do more guessing about whether he was, you know, going on a nine route or or coming on a comeback. I, I you know, that that would be part of it. The other part of it is Lamar just has to trust Boykin more. And you see him make all sorts of throws to Andrews where the ball's up and he just he knows he can trust Andrews to go up and high point the ball and bring it down. And he doesn't trust Boykin in the same way. Some of that Boykin earned with his own inability to run routes properly and and some of the drop issues he's had, which haven't been terrible, but he had a he had a drop down the left sideline two games ago 
that would have been a great opportunity to gain trust, even though I think Huntley was in the game at the time when the ball was thrown. Or if it wasn't, it was already three. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like Huntley on, on like a back shoulder up, up the exactly. left sideline. Exactly. So he's got to gain the trust. Uh, maybe he needs to work with Lamar more, but but he also just needs to develop that that secondary move. That would totally open up the left sideline and still maintain that great blocking threat who I want in the game for that purpose alone. Uh, it's what it's, it's guy keeps telling me, I don't want to hear about Miles Boykin as a run blocker anymore. Well, that's that's a huge presence that he has. I mean, come on. So anyway. <laughs> And like uh, um, I, I'm sure you 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 know about the uh the the forum on um that that we used to post on with um film study um paintball and Cole Jackson and like so we have a a Miles Boykin thread and like you talk about people don't want to hear you talk about Miles Boykin blocking no one wants to hear me say anything about Miles Boykin on that thread. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's. I wish that he could get um, more targets, um, and I, I think that that's going to come with time and um, and kind of like maybe in the off season, repping with Lamar yes. more on their own private workouts and just building a um, a camaraderie between the two of them, like him and Hollywood have, and uh, but like I, and it, it's weird, like. In the regular reading through progressions, Lamar is more apt to throw to Hollywood and Andrews. But in like the scramble drills, mm-hmm. especially last year, he would, I'm not sure if Boykin would uncover or he, uh, he seemed to have more of a connection to Boykin on ad lib plays than through the regular reading through the progression. Yeah, I, I agree. And all three of his touchdowns last year were ad libs. But that is what Lamar brings to your red zone offense is you never have to throw the fade route anymore. It's all about Lamar moving around to find a direct line that he can throw the football on because you never he never has to really throw the ball over anybody to throw a touchdown in the red zone. And and Boykin had three wonderful catches and and all of them can be remembered. One was on a rub route against Cleveland, one was on an uh, on a route where he made space back to the quarterback against the Jets. It was a really nice play by him. And the other one was that Miami game where he had the double back shoulder. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yep, like like uh that play against the 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 Jets, it's not quite a no look pass, but like L- Lamar was facing like w- one direction and didn't kind of turn his head to where Boykin was, so it kind of did that like the the sidearm sling. Uh, that was a beautiful play. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I, uh, Boykin has shown up more in the scramble drill these last few weeks. He's made a couple of grabs uh, where he's been crossing all the way from left to right on the play. And that kind of gives him an advantage is that, you know, he's the last to enter an area. So the area is often cleared out by guys moving to that right sideline as Lamar rolls right. So that's created space for him. I, I I love that. I love that use for him. And I love that Lamar has trusted him enough that he throws on the run and and uh, and feels like at least won't be intercepted under those circumstances. And 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 one last note on on Boykin. Like if he wants to get targets, then he needs to make the catch that like um <clears throat> it was in the third quarter. Um it's off a of play action. Um, Boykin's running like a, a over route or a crosser route moving from right to left. And then uh, Lamar gets flushed from the pocket 
and then he he kind of has the like there's defenders all around him and he kind of throws it up and it's a little bit off target it's it's a little bit high but and and Boykin extends gets his hands on it but doesn't bring it down but those are the plays that Andrews makes mm-hmm. and that's a similar to the catch that not quite as dramatic but similar to the catch that that Gus Edwards had and those are the plays that if he made those plays then he would get more targets yeah I, I, that's a that's a great point i want to i want to add something to that I think it's kind of a bank account system with the quarterback in terms of trust. So Boykin doesn't have a big trust balance at this point. It may even be negative. I, I don't, I'm not putting him down or anything, but that's just the nature of where we are right now. Andrews has a trust balance from a, a number of those high point catches, but it's not like Andrews has had a great catch rate throughout his career so far. He's down in the low 60s uh, in his career. Yep. That's low for a tight end. And, you know, he dropped a touchdown pass in this last game, which was unfortunate. Uh, he, he dropped another pass. Uh, that he maybe should have had. It's it's there. He's had op- other opportunities. It's just he he doesn't let balls get intercepted either, which is important. And Lamar yeah. really trusts him to not do that. I, I wonder if there's any players that we really haven't talked about here. Are there any other players that you want to discuss uh, during during a time we usually have a back and forth on this? But the skill position players are fairly limited, and we've talked so much scheme, we may not have any left. But is there anybody else you want to talk about? Um. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, J.K. Dobbins, um, and 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 then in in general, I feel like I feel like J.K. Dobbins as a runner is he has good vision. I think he showed good patience. Like he's not he's not just running out there into like darkness. So I, I feel like uh, J.K. Dobbins has very good start and start and stop, good acceleration and good vision, and. I'm not sure why it took them so long to get to him. <laughs> I feel like I feel like he and and Gus they can really be the the engine that that drives this thing forward. Like I'm I'm a huge JK Dobbins fan and I I want him to clean up his ball security and mm-hmm. to tighten up his catching, but I I feel like right now as a runner he can take us to where we want to be. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's got he's got all you want. In addition to the qualities you named, I, the balance thing is he's unmatched by anybody but Ray Rice in Ravens history in terms of of being able to keep his feet, go to the tripod, get right back up off it. Uh, you know, Giovanni Bernard is another back I think of being able to do that. But but you know, really remarkable balance uh, on the field. You know, the other guy who's the guy Jacksonville back Drew JD Drew. Do I have it right? Who's the guy? The Jacksonville back who's great for a long time. Uh, Fred Taylor. Yeah, Fred Taylor. Not Fred Taylor, the other guy after him. Oh, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew. Maurice Jones-Drew. Okay, yeah, he was a guy, another guy who could go to the tripod pretty, pretty effectively and and uh, and keep a run going. It is terrible. That's happening a lot to me recently that I cannot remember names of football players. I'm going to have to really figure out what's up with that. But anyway, uh, we'll move on here. Uh, let's talk a little mailbag then, uh, Josh. What do we got? All right, we've got a little bit of the mailbag. You can get your questions in using the hashtag film study mailbag. And uh, you guys have been talking a bunch about Gus Edwards today. So let's start with him. Does it make sense to use the RFA tag on him next year? There are not that many dollars total in the league next year. And uh, one thing that I looked at when the Giants had this huge signing of Logan Ryan, who's a good player, certainly, but to sign him for three years, 30 million right now seems excessive. To me, Uh, there are only about, I think, 17 million net dollars in the entire league, not per team, 
17 million net dollars across the entire league. So a lot of players are going to have to get cut next year in the final year of contracts to make space. There'll have to be a lot of restructuring. They may have special borrowing rules for the team. And it means that every dollar is really going to be questioned, I think, team by team. The Ravens will be no different. They do have a little bit more cap than others, but they also have a lot more needs for that money. So I think if I had to guess, I'd say Gus gets signed for something less than the second round RFA tender amount. All right. Um, all right. Greg, did, did you have anything to add is, to that, Ed? I'm sorry. Yeah, it looks oh, like you might no, have something like, to say. Um, as I'm, I'm not, I'm not up on the, the, which, which of the tenders require, like, which, which draft pick. Um, so I can't speak to that, but I know that I want to see the Reds, the, I want to see the Ravens try and keep Gus Edwards on the team. Right. So it would cost, I think, about three and a half million. Uh, normally to keep him. That's the rough range. I don't know if that'll go up or down with the COVID cap going down, but I think that's also more than the Ravens would probably be likely willing to pay. But it, I think there's a, there's a number in there. Maybe it's two and a half million that Gus gets next year. That's very reasonable and, and is a value for both the Ravens and a good, good move for him. And he's, he'll get a, a nice second contract somewhere after 2021. And, and we're assuming Ingram will not be here that's next correct. year. So, so that'll make room as well. All right. Uh, Greg Roman has his use of the outside counter, primarily with Dobbins lately, been the answer for teams flooding the box against Lamar. It's an answer. I, I love it from that perspective. I and mean, one, one thing you can do to really put stress on an eight-man box uh, is, is to have uh, – you okay, Ed? There you go. All right. So it, it, one way to really put stress on an eight-man box is to – pressure them by showing three possible outlets for the football. So if you go with the jet action they've been showing at a pony backfield, you can actually have a sidecar running back to the left of Lamar, jet action coming from right to left, and also the threat of Lamar running it right up the middle if he doesn't pass it. So it becomes – it almost paralyzes even an eight-man box against the run because there are multiple possibilities of how you do it. And I think it actually it really makes it a lot less effective. It also probably incents the Ravens to run outside against that kind of a front. And and to piggyback on that um look that 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 you're talking about with the outside counter. And if you have the sidecar back, and let's say that you're in a pony formation, and I think the the Redskins, I mean, I don't know why I keep saying that. Um with, with the sidecar action, and you have that jet player coming through for the motion, the Ravens have done it where they do the mesh, and then the the jet motion player is open for a screen. They haven't thrown that screen part of it yet, but like that's definitely something that they can they can tag to that. Oh yeah, there's a, that, that's a good point. Is that that play is blocked up a certain way. And this point is always made to me on the show by Coach Evans is their blocking keys are the same on that play, regardless of how they end up running it. So they have the same double teams. They have the same setup. They don't know behind them if a runner pass is occurring, if it's a true RPO play. If it's a, if it's a we have three ways to run the football, they know. And there was actually one play in this game where the Ravens, I, Jackson, I think, actually crossed up the offensive line because it was a read option run. So it was a design run of some sort. Jackson ended up rolling right, and then he was trapped, so he threw the ball. Well, two linemen were already five yards downfield. Unfortunately, the Ravens didn't get flagged on the play. But but it's the kind of thing where where Jackson is being creative and and may create a bad situation for himself. All right, how do you fix Matt Skura? 
and the bad snaps, if possible. You want to start with that, Ed? <laughs> um, I have no idea. Like, I, I don't know if it's the yips or if he has a hand injury. Uh, so I wouldn't know what the solution is to fix him, but hopefully the solution is that he fixes it somewhere where he's not starting. Uh, I, I, I'm not trying to be harsh about that. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I feel like until he gets that fixed, it's always going to be a liability where a bad snap can change the course of a game. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's too much of a liability for the Ravens to really allow it to be. And, I, and that's why I really don't believe Skirrell will start at center this next game. I think it will either be McCary if he's healthy or TCC. Uh, but but yeah, I think you're right that that they need to figure it out in the offseason basically at this point. I'm, this, this question just came up yesterday on the on the defensive pod as well. A lot of people interested in it, obviously. But well, we no, we discussed it after. the Oh, show. we did. Okay, well, it was not part of the show. That's good. Then we're just saying this for the first time. Fantastic. So we've seen a lot of pitchers, especially when I was a, a kid, who would get either nail breaks or breaks in their finger or blisters that just would never heal up during a season. And in particular, those are dangerous for relievers who they're in, you know, every, every second day. And Greg Olson is one I particularly remember, the Otter, who was a, a, a you know, great reliever for the Orioles in the early, or sorry, late 80s, early 90s. And he would constantly have blood on his, on his in- pitching index finger and be wiping it all over his pants. And he had this big bloody mess all over his pants by the time he left a game. If that's what's happened to Skura, and there's just a continual need to do that, then if he can't be worked out with tape or a glove, he can't play the position until the thing is healed. And that'll probably be next year at this point. If it's the yips and he's turned into Steve Blass, if you remember who he was from the won the seventh game of the World Series against the 1971 Orioles, and then he couldn't find the plate again, basically, in about a year or two after that. Uh, there have been other guys that we talked about who couldn't find the plate again after that. You know, he, there's something mechanically that's going wrong. I think they can probably analyze it by doing a, a heavy video retraining. And I think Skura is a smart and dedicated guy who will get it corrected. I just, the Ravens can't risk it happening this year. So I did a little research on this yesterday after our discussion because you don't hear about this in the NFL like you do mm-hmm. baseball. And that was our post-show discussion and I found there is a Dr. David Graham up in New York that the uh, Jets sent a offensive line player to him in 2013. Mm-hmm. Won't say who the player is, but I'm sure some Jets fans could figure yeah. it out. Um, and he uses a technique called brain spotting where he it's some type of psychology thing to figure out what's affecting it. Apparently a lot of times with athletes, it's trauma off the field, like divorce or relationships with uh, parents. <laughs> and stuff that, that ends up causing the yips. This doctor, this says that this guy's blocking skills had gone from being a tractor to a turnstile, baffling everyone. He went and saw this doctor after three extended sessions with Dr. Grant the offensive lineman went on to have his best season and Grant never heard from that's, him again. That's good to hear. That's the same doctor who got Roger Clemens clucking like a chicken in the all-star episode of The Simpsons that happened a long time ago. That's good. It's good to hear he's still working. All right. Well, yeah, he, he's he's doing a little bit better work and maybe the Ravens sure. can get a hold of him. <laughs> All right. Uh, looking ahead uh, past this week, final question. 
who do you want the Ravens to to face, assuming they win this weekend and get into the playoffs? You go first, Dad. I've answered this question a bunch of times already. Um, so what the choices would be what? Um, the Steelers, Colts, Titans, uh, and uh, there's one more. Steelers, Colts, Titans, and not the Chiefs, Bills. Um, not the Bills. Uh, so I definitely want to face them. Um, I would love, like, from, like, like the 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 hubris in me wants to face the Titans and smash them. Like, that's what I would. But, um, like, schematically and how we match up, um, I think I I I I'll take the Colts or mm-hmm. or the Steelers because. You know, because the Steelers' defense, I don't think, has a chance to – I don't think they match up well with our offense. So I think that okay. – and plus it's hard to beat a team three times in, in, in a row. So I, w- I would go with the – I would go with the Steelers. And plus it's, 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 it's a rival. Sure. For me, Colts – Steelers, Titans, Bills, Colts, because they really don't have their tackle situation worked out. I think the Ravens could make use of that against Phillip Rivers, even though Phillip Rivers gets the ball out quickly. Uh, they're also undersized, and I don't think they could stand up to the running game. They kind of kind of showed their kryptonite, or we showed them their kryptonite during that second half uh, with a lot of exactly what Lamar is doing right now. The Steelers, because I think they figured out everything the Steelers can do offensively, including a four-wide receiver set, and I think the Ravens will be able to defend it by playoff time. If they if they don't, if they're not able to defend it because they don't have enough cornerbacks, shame on Eric DaCosta and the Ravens organization for not getting it fixed in time. Uh, the Bills, are, uh, sorry, the Titans will be number three. Uh, I don't really want to play them because of some revenge thing. They're big up front. They, they can give the Ravens problems, uh, but they have a, a very poor general defense that I think the Ravens could exploit. Uh, the Bills I'm most concerned about, and not, a, not too much of that is the Bills playing because I think the Ravens can run right over the Bills the way they can run over a lot of other teams. It's, the, it's how weather might impact the game is I'm most concerned about how that would take away defending a lot of the field that Lamar Jackson can threaten. Uh, and it would also hurt the Bills offense, but I think it might hurt the Ravens offense more. All right. And of course, there's lots of talk after the Steelers had that losing streak that it was the Ravens in that COVID game that exposed the Steelers. <laughs> so, Ed, anything we can promote? Uh, for no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not on anything right now. I'm just basically on uh, Russell Street Report forum. I'm just posting for fun. So no, no plugs here. Loved having you on, Ed. Great guest. Lots of deep insight. I really appreciate having you. We'll love to have you again, and uh, and we'll make sure we get you back at least next year for an episode. Let's do that. And hopefully during the oh, offseason, if you got a chance for a short or two, let's let's work to make that happen. Oh, definitely. I, I Thank you for having me on. Thanks, Josh. Awesome show. All right. And Ken, we've got lots of stuff over at filmstudybaltimore.com. All the normal stuff, articles, uh, podcasts coming up and more. I want to talk to people specifically about the new gallery items from Brent Dawson out there. Some great graphs on Lamar Jackson, on the breakdown visually of ample time and space, ball out quick and pressure events that you can see much better on a game by game basis when you see it. So you hear me talk about it and you're like, what's a normal number for that? I don't know. Well, this will show you what a normal number has been through the season and kind of how it's trended and that how just how remarkable that Giants game was in particular for the defense. But he, he 
provided those graphs. And, and we're going to do a lot more, including a video show this offseason that will look at various visualizations and hopefully give people insight into what information they can glean from them. Okay. Look forward to that. All right. And guy and Guys, there's lots of podcasts out there. Every day there's a new podcast out. So what really helps us is if you guys share and go on over to your Apple's podcast app and rate the show five stars, type a little review. That really, really helps uh, new people find the show. And Raven Chris did that recently. He said, this is the best Ravens podcast and analysis. Ken and his guests provide the best and most articulate fact-based analysts of any forum I have experienced. The I anxiously await each podcast. Keep up the great work. I don't know how you find the time to perform the analysis you provide. The Ravens should consider hiring Ken's mother, right? (laughs) So thank you for that review and reviews like that help out the show a lot. So please head on over. I'm just just kidding. Ravens, Chris, really appreciate the effort for you to do that. Uh, Thanks again, Ed, for joining us on the show. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.